0: So here with me today is Mr. Jamie Savalos. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's been we've been we connected a while back. Probably I think I think we talked about 2010. Whenever I read that Tim Ferriss article, but uh, he's a former Division One All-Conference shortstop, former swing instructor to Major League players. And if he wants to get into that and who he worked with, he can. If not, you know, no worries because we know how some of the Major Leaguers don't like to really be have their names splashed out there. Um, but we can let him get into that if he wants to a little later. was credited with turning Ben Zobrist into a power hitter in 2007 prior to his MVP year in 2008, which was a team MVP. Uh, he's the author of positional hitting. some of you have read that out there. and he developed the MP 30 and 28 uh, 30, 30 inch and the 28 was 28 inch was the youth model, training bat, and the pitch view, which we will get into a little bit into this interview. So, Jamie, I'm going to start off with the first question. How do you explain to people what it is that you do?
1: Hmm. Uh, I'm a uh, product developer, I guess, on, on from a general standpoint, um, and specifically sports training products uh, is what I, so far I'd, I only have products in baseball, but I'd like to to create products in, in other sports, my my real interest is in is in movement, and uh, and so I don't I don't really think of myself as as uh, just being in baseball. However, like I said, that's so far the the uh, the, the sport that I've stayed in for the most part. However, um, I did actually go to the Safeway Open this year as a as a swing coach, which I was really proud of. Um, it's my, it's pretty much my first um, kind of venturing uh, into uh, into other sports. Uh, uh, I the way I I uh, was able to do that is I'm close with uh, Matt Kuchar's team uh the plain truth team uh down in um arizona and uh and so they invited me to to come uh, to the safeway open and and just hang out with them and we we love the talk shop and just uh i was able to walk around with them walk around the course with them and, and matt kuchar and it was just awesome and i'm I'm a huge i'm really into golf as well um so so yeah i, I uh I would say probably the quick answer is just a product
0: developer, and uh, so yeah. Yeah, very cool. And and you were kind of my transition from when I when I was playing. Shoot, my after my little league, my last year in little league, I was struggling a little bit, so I dove into books. So I read you know Tony Gwynn's and Mike Schmidt's and Ted Williams and Charlie Lau, and I started reading all these books, and and it just really screwed me up because everybody had a different viewpoint on hitting and what it what hitting is until about four years later I just said you know what the heck with these books I'm just gonna hit based on feel and you know I did I did okay my last couple years in high school and, and got to play four years uh, paid for schooling paid for for four years which was nice you know kind of um, to have that you know not have to have to pay for it afterwards uh, but a couple years after I was done I started teaching hitting, and I started teaching hitting the old way—the down, down and through—because that's basically what I was taught. And it was probably, maybe it was 2011 when I reached out to you. When that blog post, which we'll we'll get into for the Tim Ferriss blog, and I reached out to you. I, I'd read your—I think I'd read your book, and it was it was like an eye opener for me because it was like, really? So there's more to hitting than just down and through. And, you know, digging deeper, you start seeing people come out with rotational hitting, which probably was way before that, but my eyes were were open at the time to it. And your book was a, a nice transition for me to really start thinking about the swing in a, in a completely different way. Um, and just for those of you that, that don't know, Jamie and I met, I reached out, and it was there was a Tim Ferriss blog post at the4hourworkweek.com, and it was titled, How I Did It From $7 An Hour to Coaching Major League baseball MVPs, and that was kind of right up my alley at the time because that's what i was trying to do i was trying to put content on the internet and and see if i can make it a full-time job where i can you know give people my advice or whatnot and so i reached out to jamie and and that's kind of where we started off um now you you mentioned that you've been in golf and and i think you even i understand how i understand it you started in golf analysis before jumping into baseball swing is that right jamie
1: well I was I was a kid who wanted to be a major league baseball player, and um, and so I went to college to play baseball, and uh, uh, basically was was sidetracked. But one of the things that I took away from it was how important the the motion of your swing actually is, and how little uh, good information was out there uh, concerning the swing. Um, and it, it really kind of, it really hurt kids who were, le- you know, growing up in in the age that I grew up and the time that I grew up, it really hurt you if you were a cere- kind of a, if you had to be, uh, I wasn't really a natural athlete, so I had to be cerebral about baseball. And, uh, so I read all the books and, um, man, I just assumed that throwing your hands at the ball was, was a good idea. Um, and I think I took that assumption with me and and I kind of hit the same spot that you said you hit where it's like, I'm just going to try to figure this out on my own. Um, so I, I actually started to look at pictures of guys and, uh, and make changes based on what I saw and, um, both in magazines and pictures and, and also just what I saw with the naked eye. And I did play with video a little bit. Um, I remember borrowing like the college's, uh, video camera at one point, but like all of us who first get started, I didn't really know what the heck I was doing. Um, and, and in a way I still approach it. Like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So, but, but I really didn't know. And back then, and and I, I didn't really get too in depth. I just would watch it in slow motion and just kind of—I don't even think much analysis was happening. It was just kind of like, "Oh, okay, there's my swing on video," and and move on. Um, but uh, so, um, I kind of—I actually forget the, the what your
0: question so was. What, so, what was your takeaway from like when you when you kind of analy- analyzed? golf a little bit more. Was that before you started to analyze the baseball swing? Did you, did that kind of happen before? And what were your takeaways from golf that made a difference on baseball?
1: Yeah. So after I was kind of, after I quit baseball, um, I was kind of in a, in a (laughs) almost left, um, Wondering who I was because literally my my whole life I was all about you know I'm a baseball player so suddenly I wasn't and and I kind of reflected on like I said like the swing motion and just how important it was because just before I quit uh, I made a change to my swing and and it was it was like stepping into another person's body and and all of a sudden the balls that normally were. I did a lot of pop ups to the first baseman, or something like that, or or uh, or ground outs to the weak grounders to the third baseman. You know, the other side of the, of the same coin. Yes, yeah, and uh, so I I saw that the same sort of thing was was happening in golf, and and I think. It, well, what I did was I entered the, kind of the golf industry and started working the pro shops and, and talking with guys who worked in the pro shops who were, to me, they were like pro golfers. I mean, these guys could play so well. And then, of course, the, the video equipment that they had in golf was so good. So I was like, man, I'm bringing this. I'm going to get this system. And this was like in 2000. And I'm going to bring it to baseball. And, uh, and, uh, what I noticed, what, I mean, I would just spend <laughs> hours and hours. I mean, I, it was like, a, um, in a way the pain from quitting baseball drove me to kind of just be, uh, just crazy about, about just analyzing the swing. I just had to figure it out. I felt like I, I, I. I didn't figure out, figure it out in baseball. I had, I had some, some more work to do. And, um, and so I was pretty determined to, to close the the book. I I didn't know at the time. I mean, I I wasn't really planning for the future. I was just seriously just curious. And so I wasn't like, you know, like the Tim Ferriss blog post says, I was making very little money and just curious about the swing. And as I was looking at video, I noticed, uh, I guess the first thing I noticed was the bat, the bent back arm of, of golfers, uh, of the good golfers. Uh, and that, that struck a chord with me because I noticed a similar thing in baseball. Um, and so I, I, followed that and tried to figure out what was going on, um, and basically, I determined, well, and then I would look at, you know, I would kind of compare, go back and forth, like, look at Ben Hogan, and then look at Babe Ruth. And, you know, I don't know if any of you guys out there have taken the time to to look at, at Ruth, um, if you're a baseball player, uh, that's... To me, I don't know why it's not more often said, that is the greatest hitter that we've seen. If you take away uh, you take away the, the the guys who hit during the steroid era, uh, you know, bonds definitely if you don't take that away was the best. But if you take away the you know the the, the, the uh the steroids, um Ruth is by himself, at the top. And so <clears throat> so take a look at ruth and and then compare him to Ben Hogan. And it's really amazing the the similar positions that they get into. Um, <clears throat> of course, the slot position is famous in golf. So I would say that the golf taught me the slot position um, and the and kind of the importance of getting into it. Uh, nobody really had an answer for how to get into it or how to kind of make it a, I mean, you know, you can force yourself into it, but that's not necessarily going to get the job done. So how do you, you know, make it into a nice smooth um, movement um, is uh, is another story. But yeah, I would say that the bent arm impact position and the And the slot position were were things that just were clearly standing out when you compare uh, not just compare good players to good players in baseball and golf, but compare the the good players to I had a lot of uh, of amateurs coming into the the learning facilities. and And so I would take a look at them just as much as I would take a look at the at the good players because then you can see, what's going on after a while after thousands of swings that you've seen you start to see patterns that exist in the good players and don't exist in the uh, in the amateurs you mm-hmm. know? so
0: yeah it's <clears throat> it's interesting because i hear a lot you know i hear a lot of excuses really not a lot but a select few on social media especially on facebook and you know when they when you say that hey we can teach a kid who's who weighs 100 pounds to to triple their body weight and bat a ball distance hitting the ball 300 feet the length of a football field their excuses out of the woodwork right um, and and one of them one of them that comes through and and it's actually it's it's good it's based on good I mean I teach it to my hitters is hitting the ball as hard as you can as far as you can and and, I, and, and that's that's an objective that I use. Um, Mike Ryan, Fastball USA, some of you've read his stuff, he talks about that, and, and I totally agree. You need a, an objective, a hitting objective up front. The challenge is, like you mentioned, there's a difference in elite high-level hitters versus the amateur ones. So how, and if you're paid based on, so if you work with amateur hitters, you work with hitters ranging in age from seven years old all the way up to maybe 18 years old through high school, for those that do work with those kind of hitters on a full-time basis because you're going to have a, a bigger uh, you're going to have a big, old, bigger pot of those kind of hitters the challenge is how do you take a hitter who doesn't slot the right way doesn't slot like an elite hitter and get them to slot like an elite hitter and you know a lot of these coaches out there don't believe it's possible they say there you can't teach high level mechanics to especially younger hitters and and i'm always thinking i'm like well wait a minute in china they have girls and boys, I'm sure, but you hear about the stories of the girls. They have girls learning gymnastics at three years old, maybe even two years old, right? Maybe not the most complicated movements at first, but by the time they're four or five years old, they're doing hand, they're doing handstands, they're doing, you know, all the kinds of flipping and tumbling and stuff like that. Those are ve- those are very complicated movements, and they're very, uh, very, uh, what do you call it? They're the health risks right, with those movements, doing a flip the wrong way, you can break an arm or whatnot. So when people say, well, you can't teach high-level mechanics to youth hitters, I mean, what would you say to a coach that would say something like that?
1: Well, it's, you know, going back to me as a player, I was a curious kid. Uh, I didn't notice, frankly, I've never seen anybody work as hard as I did at the game, during the time that I played. Um, and I was like that uh, from a young age. Uh, I just was curious. I wouldn't say that even at a young age I was a real hard worker, uh, but as I got going, I, I, I was. But from a young age, I was curious. I mean, not many 12-year-olds were reading, uh, what was it, um, Charlie Lau's or – you know, so I, uh, so for kids like that, I mean, number one, there's got to be a curiosity. You know, I mean, I mean, I did the Charlie Lau swing the way he wanted me to do it, but I was interested in doing it. And what I found is a lot of kids just who are really young for whatever reason, maybe too much energy at the time, or. I'm not sure what it is, but I've noticed that they're just not all that interested. Um, some kids are. Some. I mean, I've one of my favorite lessons that I that I gave was a was this brilliant young kid, and we just had a ball. I mean, he was so interested. He had read my book, and we were just. It was like I was talking to to you, and yeah. and we were just having a great time. You or, know? Your, so,
0: or yourself at 12 years old
1: yeah, yeah exactly. And so for that kid, yeah, yeah, you can you can probably get as in depth as you want. Um, if if the teaching is is making the, the player kind of uh, uh, not able to do a flowing, smooth motion for whatever reason, then it probably has to do with the words that you're telling him. You now and what, or your methods or some, you know, but I don't think that you can say it can't be done. I definitely don't think that. I think that the right teaching, um, to the right person, uh, can work instantly, you know, I mean, it, that's the way it happened for me, uh, in college. There's no reason why it couldn't happen to a, to a little kid too, but you know, it, it, uh, it wasn't, it really wasn't all the hard work that I did. It was a decision I made prior to the season, uh, actually about five games into the season. I said, man, this isn't working. I feel the same stuff happening. And I just made some changes and it was a, it was a night and day difference. It was like I said, it was like stepping into another person's body and, uh, that that change has kind of set the compass for my life uh, because I'm, it's, it was just so magical,
0: you know. Right, right. Yeah, it's. I've heard it also. You say the curiosity, the passionate curiosity. I read Albert Einstein's biography, and that's kind of his thing you know he he might have had a little Asperger's going on uh, some lo- high level Asperger's or whatnot it's kind of the theory out there but he had this passionate curiosity to learn and and to dig into what it was that he was interested in and I think that goes a long way and I agree with you you know you you can teach high level mechanics to younger kids but you can't forget that there's the other side of the coin you have the player itself so the the player whether how receptive they are to your information and then there's the bridge between the bridge of the information. So like you mentioned, the cues, the coaching cues, the whatever methods drills, whatever that you're using, if they look robotic when you tell them to do something then most likely your cues uh, is a little, little too dull and it needs to be sharpened, you know? Um, And uh, very cool. I, we, we've had a very similar journey. I was the same way I read except I read at 12 years old or 11 years old uh, that kind of helped that my last year. I had a really good last year in Little League. Um, and it was Jim Lefebvre's book, The Making of a Hitter. And he was talking about cent- centripetal force and centrifugal force in the book. And he had pictures of Hank Aaron and Satohara Oh, you know, the career home run leader in Japanese baseball, 868 homers at like 5'10, 173 pounds. And he had pictures of these guys. Like, it was black and white. I mean, the book was a yellow cover, and it was, and I bought it in some back backyard bookstore, um, and a hole in the wall bookstore bookstore, but I understood maybe not the first reading, but a few readings because I, that passionate curiosity, you know? Um, yeah, it just sounds like we've had that kind of similar journey. Now I get a question I get asked all the time. Now, do you believe that the baseball and fast pitch softball swing are two totally different things?
1: Well, they are up until the swing starts to happen. And then I I think that there's no reason to think that once the swing happens that you're not looking for the same, you know, uh, the same things from the swing. I I think that uh, what you're looking to do is is the same uh, except for, you know, what happens from the moment the pitch is released, and uh, to the moment that you that you you know that the ball enters the the hitting area, basically, or or gets close to the to you starting your swing, and that's not for the obvious reason is you just don't have as much time. I guess uh, you yeah, you have less time in softball. Uh, it's closer, so. There's there's something with the stride that's going to be uh, a little bit different, but no, I don't I I don't think uh, no, I don't I don't think there's any difference in in what you're trying to accomplish with the swing.
0: Yeah, I agree, I agree. There, you know, I it's funny for just the baseball softball, well, baseball silo itself of knowledge. It seems that some coaches think that baseball abides by rules human movement rules that are totally different than the real ones than real biomechanics real physics so they think in baseball you do stuff different like maintaining the head not moving at all like you can't move forward can't move down you know say during the stride and i know you talked about that and and i I use your term a lot the cushion and double cushion and and stuff like that and and the fall forward and and whatnot and and so a lot of coaches think well no you, you can't keep your head because of you know you have to track the ball but now, thanks to science, we can look into that and we can really see that, hey, um, you know, in your eyes you have like four different muscles and, and one of them is, is like a, a video stabilizer. You know, if you had a video recorder and you were walking backwards to somebody singing Taylor Swift's song, right, and you're filming this person as they're walking towards you and you're walking uh, backwards, and you know most likely that camera is going to bounce 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 but in in certain cameras you can have stabilizers and in our brain, um, eye-brain connection, you have these same kind of stabilizers. So, you know, back in the day with hunters and gatherers, you had <clears throat> cavemen that were chasing buffalo and were throwing spears, uh, hit, trying to hit moving targets while they were a moving target themselves. So, you know, some of these things that, like that baseball, softball, that the swings are, are totally different. When well, we're talking about humans here, it's not not just a male-female thing. Of course, there's a anatomical differences. They're, uh definitely undeniable anatomical differences but it's still a human who's made up of bone muscle and fascia swinging a bat and trying to hit a ball you know um yeah. but but again i agree with you on the, the the timing the reaction time the timing uh the stride the release points different um there are some key things that are different but like you said once once you're going into the swing itself it's it's virtually the same you know
1: yeah i i actually haven't looked a ton at, at softball, but but yeah, I see no reason why why it would be any different. And you're still looking to hit, you know, it's still the same shape field, uh, and you're still looking to, you know, ideally hit the ball over the fence. Um, the one sport I, I've kind of looked into a little bit, and I just can't seem to get it, is uh, is cricket. You know, like, I, I ask someone who knows about it, so is it important to hit the ball's as hard as you can, and then they tell me sometimes, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "What? I don't get it." <laughs> so I still have to try to understand that. I want, I want, I want to hear. It's always important to hit the ball as hard as you can, but I can't get anyone to say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> funny. I, I've heard that too. And a buddy of mine, when you say hit it as far as you can, a buddy of mine, Lee, who's out in Texas, um, he, he's very much versed in the spinal engine stuff and uh, springy fashion. He's read Thomas Myers anatomy book, or Thomas Myers's book, Anatomy Trains, probably about a decade ago. And I've, I read it about four years ago, so he's been chewing on the information longer than I have. But he says in golf, uh, he instructs, he's an instructor for amateur and professionals, uh, professional golfers and stuff. And uh, he says that in golf, he doesn't understand baseball because baseball's all about exit velocity and everybody's talking about exit velocity. Um, the launch angle thing he gets, but not the exit velocity because in golf, it's not all about, they aren't taking the speed of the ball off the club. You know, They're, they, they might be uh, taking distance, but a lot of golf is accuracy. Like if you're hit continue, like you're hitting a ball 500 yards consistently but you keep hitting it into the rough or on the other course or whatever I mean it's going to take you longer to get back to the green you know and 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 so him is funny because he's coaching his daughter or uh, kind of helping his daughter out who plays softball she's 14 or 15 now uh, playing out in Texas so it's not you know uh, it's not like playing softball in North Dakota or something um, where you have pretty good softball in Texas and she's hitting like six seven hundred in Texas and, and now this last year she started hitting bombs. She's, she's gotten a little bigger and stronger. She's hitting bombs. And he started with her based on back control. It was all back control stuff. And she does pretty well with that. And And so that's kind of what I've started to seriously consider in, in hitting, you know, back control. Cause yeah, of course exit velocity, of course launch angle, but you also gotta, you know, you got nine fielders out there, you got eight out there and one behind you. And you still kind of have to, get it in between those filters too. So it's just another thing, you know, as you know, it's it's like that passionate curiosity drives you to think about somebody asks you a question and you're like, hmm, let me chew on that a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, well, hey, I, I know we're kind of running, running a little late on time here. I wanted to get through a couple things before we get to the pitch, pitch view. So it's I wanted to, Share a quote that I use that I told you I use with some social media people when they when they pose a a specific thing and they're you know when they say the well you, you how many hits have you gotten in the big leagues? You know, can you are you qualified to teach hitting? Those kind of type things. And it was something you said on Checkswing.com back in July 2010, and uh, it was a it was a kind of a post that you did, and you titled it "What MLB Hitting Coaches Don't Teach." And uh, th- and I'll I'll kind of read this this quick little paragraph. It said MLB hitting coaches are motivated by keeping their job, not developing innovative principles. If they change a franchise player's swing and that player gets worse, their name is forever blacklisted word will spread that that he makes good hitters bad and regardless of how many hitters he, he has helped the one he ruined will be the bane of his career. GMs will attach his name with money flying out the window. He can, he can just take a seat next to Jose Canseco on the list of people who will never be offered a contract. Because of this, MLB hitting coaches develop vague hitting methods, appearing to help when the team is doing well, yet standing on no specific method when the team is struggling. It's common for them to wait until a player on a team gets hot and associate themselves to that player as much as possible. I've seen it time and time again. Um, I thought that's a that's a powerful paragraph that a lot of people don't consider. Now, do you do you still believe people uh, need to be skeptical of, of such creden- uh, such credentials as a MLB hitting coach when learning the swing?
1: So, are you saying they should be skeptical of which which person?
0: The major league hitting coach say that comes up uh, that that says, well, you know, I've I've been the major league hitting coach for the last ten years for so and so teams, and that's why you should listen to me. That's like their credibility indicator, right? Should we blindly follow them because of that, or do you do you believe something different now?
1: Well, we're in a swing instruction revolution right now, and it's not coming from the major league hitting coaches. It's coming from guys like you and me, um, and Chaz Pippet and Mike Bard and Sean Ploof and guys who are, you know, uh, using the internet to, to, uh, spread their ideas. And I think that, um, for a long time, you know, uh, it it has been a system like that, and I was a, a victim of of that system of saying, "I'm a major league coach, so listen to what I say. Look at me; I'm coaching major league guys, and I have the uniform to prove it." And um, they had, you know, but now that they are. They seem to be hiring more people, more of the independent coaches. So, um, so, or, or at least I, I've heard that a little bit. Um, I've gotten some calls, but they're just kind of like exploring what's going on. Hey, what's, what's, they just want to talk to me and kind of pick my brain and then hang up the phone. But, um, they don't, you know, um, no, uh, You know, if you're out there and you have a passion for the swing, look for someone who plays pro ball. If you have something you think could be of value, go find someone. There are plenty of guys in the winter uh, working out who play pro ball. Give it a shot. If you think you have something, don't, don't play the game of, you know, Oh, but I'm not. I don't care if you've never even played baseball. If you have a passion, you think you have something uh that could help somebody then uh then go for it uh um i don't play that game of you know that that stuff those guys had their chance with me i mean i read all the books when i was um so uh i didn't i never really got much out of it um now like i said we're we're in a a time where um huge changes are going on in how we teach the swing. And uh, it's like I said, it's because of it's not because of major league hitting coaches. Um, It might be because of, you know, a little bit because of some recent major league hitting coaches who are reading the stuff that all of us put out there and kind of, you know, uh, waking up to to how to really how to really teach the swing uh, to, to get more power and and more precision. Um, But uh, I guess to answer your question, obviously, no, I I don't, I don't think that matters. I mean, I also hear a lot of times people tell you how long they've been teaching and and that's credential. Um, That means nothing to me. I mean, if you've been teaching for 30 years, that the that means absolutely nothing to me um so uh i think that a a big problem is is uh with with this i guess the way the system is 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 i guess you know it's why i love i love movement i, I don't I don't like to get into one particular sport, uh, because I think that that has a tendency to, to kind of breed, uh, 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 not, it breeds, a not being so willing to, to take chances anyway. And I think that that's been a big problem. Um, and, uh, no i i just think that we need to we need to take more chances and and uh be more open about that and and not not give people so much respect just because they have been teaching a long time or teach in the major leagues or you know get and, and give your own ideas respect i mean you and me started really making better changes when we decided well what do I feel about the swing you know so spend some time doing that and not not taking what I say or what anyone else says or as as uh, as dogma you know and and uh, think about what do you think about the swing what what it works for you what kind of feelings through the swing uh, do you feel when you hit your best.
0: Right. Yeah. I totally agree. <clears throat> and and uh, I think there was a quote by Abraham Lincoln kind of touching on the, the 30 years of coaching where he said something to the effect of, you know, it's not the amount of years in your life, it's the amount of life in your years, right? So if we apply that to coaching, it's it's not how many years you coach, but, but the actual life in those years. You know, what did you learn each year? Is it just one year of learning that you've repeated for 30 years? Let's move into, I know we're, we got about 10 minutes left here. Um, let's move into the pitch, pitch View, Pitch Recognition Training Aid. So this has been your current focus, and so I got a couple questions about it. If you could only train one thing in hitters, kind of up, up the Pitch Recognition uh, vein, what would it be and why? So kind of tell, tell about the Pitch View, uh, why you've chosen the Pitch View Pitch Recognition Training Aid to put your focus and passion into.
1: Well, I I like to look at sports and see where the biggest area of opportunity is currently, and and uh, and then I like to try to solve it with with some sort of training aid, whether it be a uh, you know a, a book or a, an actual aid that you use while you you practice, and um, I think that. You know, if to I look at hitting as four different skills. There's eye-hand coordination. There's uh, the mechanics of the swing. Um, There's strength and speed, Uh, and there's pitch recognition. I think that eye-hand coordination is pretty tapped, Um, and the way we've you know, handled that is. You know, I, I was—I actually have juggled professionally. Um, I was—I've been juggling since I was a little kid. My uncle taught me uh, how to juggle, and I—I I just loved it. So my ha- hand-eye coordination was great. I could juggle on a unicycle, pins. So, um, so I—I I thought when I was young that you know everyone would say it's all about hand-eye coordination. So I. I was going to fill that as as well as I could um and and I did so but it never helped me that much with with hitting it would help me with it, with fielding a little bit because a, a ball I remember in college one time a ball flipped over my shoulder and I do a trick like that in juggling so I just kind of reached my hand like around my back and grabbed it as it fell down around my the my lower back and then threw the guy out. Um, and, uh, that is probably the only time juggling actually helped me in baseball. So all those hours of juggling probably, you know, that's about it. But, um, I think we've pretty much tapped the hand eye coordination with the T, you know, the T is a great training aid to, to, to work on that. Um, then you have, uh, swing, uh, Strength, okay. Strength is something you know. We're we're doing pretty well. There, you know the the uh, the steroid era taught us a lot. You know, it taught us strength actually really is important. Guys should definitely be careful, but building as much mass as they can if they're if their craft is thing, and if you're a position player in baseball or softball, that's your main craft. Um. So. Then you have swing mechanics. Now we're getting into things that where there's opportunity, and like I said, we're going through a revolution right now in swing mechanics. Um, I think it's wise to hop on that revolution, and and basically we're putting a a stress, I guess, on, or we're we're putting a um, an importance on home runs. Why not? You know, Um, so. So there's opportunity in swing mechanics uh, to, right now, but I think that pitch recognition is literally untapped. I mean, if someone can tell me how it's practiced right now, uh, I'd, I'd love to, to hear how teams are approaching it. To me, from what I've seen, they're not touching it. And,
0: and, Jamie, describe what the pitch view PR training aid is. And I think that would, that would be a good one because, okay. you know, you ask the question, well, how do we train it, right? And so uh, okay. describe what the pitch view, what it is and, like, what it does, okay. the, kind of the why, the how and all that.
1: Okay. So, so there have been some attempts at practicing pitch recognition. And, and the, the common way to do it is to send a player over to the bullpen with his glove on and so that has you know a a few coaches here and there you hear stories about oh yeah I've done that before that's just that's just not really an effective way of doing it because one it's still kind of dangerous and two you can't really feel like you're hitting you feel like you're defending getting ready to catch a ball (laughs) yeah So, so it's a completely different mindset um so what I did was uh I created a training aid that protects the hitter, uh, gives him optical clarity, but uh, and uh, and protects him at the same time. And uh, it's basically a baseball screen with a protective window, um, and uh, and the, so the hitter can can just stand up there and 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 see the pitches uh, and view more pitches because the only practice we get seeing live pitching is in games and that's not practice so so i think that you know pitch recognition is is about seeing the motion of the release connecting that motion of the release to the flight of the ball and by flight of the ball i mean the time it takes the ball to get to the plate, because a curveball is going to take more time than a fastball, and a changeup is going to take more time than a fastball. So they all take different times. But also the curvature of the, of the flight. So you, you're connecting the release motion to what you see from the ball flight. And the third component of pitch recognition is the motion, is your movement. So I think that you can connect all three of those. That's, I, that's the ideal way to, to practice pitch recognition. And uh, really all we've needed was something to protect the hitter because it's not, you don't want to stand in front of a pitch unless you absolutely have to in a game.
0: Right. Um, now I know, so- I know you worked with the Berkeley uh, University. You worked with uh, Cal State Berkeley, right? Uh, so what you guys did I'm sure some sort of a case study with them now what did that training look like that PR training? That's actually
1: going on right now
0: okay Uh, they uh... like how they practice in it how many days a week you know what uh you know kind of give a snapshot of like how would that look how would a coach use the the pitch view during practices you know like how much time you know how many you know reps that kind of thing
1: The ideal way to use it is literally whenever you guys have a pitcher warming up in the bullpen, you need to have ideally two hitters viewing the pitches. Um, That is going to be a way that practice, baseball practice changes in the future is that you will not waste bullpen pitches right now. They're being wasted. You know, it's Um, the name of the game as a coach is to be as efficient as possible in your practice. They know that all, all coaches know this, you know, it's a question of how I have two hours or whatever the NCAA or uh, allows you to do, you know, you have that much, much time and you have to make it as efficient as possible and pretty much your record will be determined by how efficient, Your practices are. Um, Whenever there's a pitcher warming up, there should be two hitters viewing the pitches. When if he's throwing, basically live pitching. Um, So, uh, yeah. uh, As far as Cal, um, they're they're using it however they want to. Um, I like to like i said i like to create the training aids and and just kind of put them out there and and let them do their thing you know um, the culture of baseball will determine how they're going to use it um, if, if they're not using it the way i wanted them to use it then i need to simply restructure the training aid
0: right right uh, very cool, man. Well, hey, I'm 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 excited about this. I think this is huge, and I know you reached out to Dr. Peter Fatty, and we can talk about that a little bit more off off the off the mic. But um, I think his stuff and your stuff, uh, and even Perry Husband, Perry Husband is a lot of stuff on effective velocity. You know, all that. All that training is kind of in the timing, pitch recognition, you know, That that's like that that group or that association of stuff that uh, I think is is golden when it comes in, like you said, untapped. I, I feel like it is untapped. And there are some people that say, oh, yeah, I heard him speak, you know, Dr. Peter Fatty four years ago at ABCA or whatever it was. But it's, it's not getting into mainstream, and that's the problem. So I, I feel like your training aid is it like you said it's a it's an actual way to step in the box uh, in a safe way especially when we're talking about seven and eight year olds and and getting them to hit kid pitch you know they don't have to worry about getting hit they can just work on picking up the the window picking up the pitcher's motion you know getting the different cues that show what which pitch is coming so i i think it's going to be a great hitting aid and we'll put links and stuff to how people can get it in the in the blog post. Uh, so Jamie, we're we're kind of running. It's uh, almost eleven o'clock. Do You have a little bit of time to spare for rapid fire, or sure, or sure. Okay, yeah. cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time, and and hopefully we can do. A, if you're if you're up for it, a, a part two, and you know hopefully some more parts after that. Um, yeah definitely so first question if you could put actually you know what I want to start start with the top gifted books because I want you to include your your some info about your your new one coming out so what top gifted books would you give say a coach um, say let's say a new coach a new coach that comes in maybe maybe 10U something like that what top gifted books would you would you give them hmm so
1: I'm sorry I didn't so start start with,
0: start with your book, because I, I, you know, I promised you we'd get into that a little bit. Uh, start with that one. But any any books that you would gift, I don't know if you gift books. I really don't gift books, like what Tim Ferriss says. Um, I don't really gift any, but I do, you know, a couple of books would rise to the top of my head that I would give to a, maybe a first-time coach or maybe even, uh, I mean, if you want a, a more of a seasoned coach, you can pick that route too. So it's up to you how you want to answer it. But definitely start with your new book that you're working on
1: yeah uh wow that's that's actually um my i'm actually in the middle of writing my my new book and um actually i'm not really in the middle i'm, I'm more in the beginning so <laughs> there's um um all I can say is it's it's about it's about the swing movement, and um, uh, and uh, it's basically it's a lot of what I wrote about in positional hitting. It's kind of uh, built building on top of those ideas and, and kind of expanding on on uh, you know positional hitting was was a lot about one of the the um the criticisms i heard from it and I, and i think is is pretty valid is that it's most you know it's mostly about if i if i recall correctly i haven't even looked at it uh, in years but i think it was mostly about the um the positions you know that what's what are great hitters getting into that that uh that the others aren't and uh, and as far as that goes i I think I did a good job. I think that I still believe the things that, that I said in that book. Um, and it's, 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 it's pretty accurate to, to describing what's going on optically. You know, if you look at video of, of great hitters compared to, um, to an average or even good hitter. And, uh, so I think that, this next book will talk a little bit more about feel and um and actually taking that uh the positions of of great hitters and and um and making your own swing like that if you're if you weren't able to do it from uh from just understanding what positions great hitters get into um then you know that you need a little bit more to actually get yourself to feel it. Uh, So I think it'll talk a little bit more about feel um, and actually transitioning for the reader, making his swing into a great swing.
0: Very so. cool, and and that's yeah, and that's I think that that'd be great, like a almost like a companion, if not probably the same amount of it's probably going to take the same amount of pages or more to describe that part of it, because uh, I know there's a big debate in real versus feel, right? What's what we see is real on video, and what's actually feel? What's the player actually feeling? So, um, I'll look forward to reading that book because that's a that's a big thing. I agree with you. I think it's a it's a scratch that needs to be itched. <clears throat> and um, and so, yeah, so uh, I agree. I think that's going to be a good one. Now, if you could put anything on a ballpark jumbotron, it could be a picture, it could be a, a quote, it could be anything in any MLB ballpark, what would you put on it?
1: You know, I, it, I would say something like don't give up but that sounds so like cliche, but the way I mean it is that if you really want to play major league baseball, um, it's probably possible. Uh, and a huge ingredient is just about hanging in there. I think so many people, myself included, I, I just, I got in my own way. Um, and ended up ending my career, not way too early, and and basically I gave up. Um, all I had to do was hang in there, um, just keep going. You know, just I, I'm not sure what the avenues are for kids right now, but I, I think that having having it standard that if you want to be a baseball player you go and you go to college i think that that is is um is a system that needs to be changed if it's not already being changed i think there needs to be an option for kids who just want to play baseball i mean i'm not and and sure you can take classes on the side or whatever but i don't think that those two should be connected um so You know, if you're done playing baseball in college and no scout has looked looked at you uh, and you still want to play and you still want to play in the major leagues, um, keep playing. You know, Uh, I don't again, I don't know what's going on out there as far as the avenues for kids, but I know that if I had to do it over again, I simply uh, wouldn't take wouldn't take no for an answer. You know, I, I. a lot of the reason why I was forced out was because of um, NCAA issues where I just couldn't play anymore. I tried to transfer, and then I tried to transfer again, and I, I was trying to find a good place to play. And um, and it just got to the point where I couldn't play anywhere because of the rules, you know? So I just, well, that's it. And uh, um, so if you want to play, man, just just. Just keep at it and uh, just keep going and and focus on movement. I think that basically, if you look at sports, it's it's communication of movement, you know. And so I think if you put a real intense focus on on your movements in everything. You, you know first looking at the most important movements in baseball and and questioning them whether it be a diving catch or whether it be a swing or whatever movements you do on a regular basis that have a lot of value look at them and and perfect them and look at yourself as like you're sculpting that movement and uh, and so that's what don't give up means.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's great advice, and, and it's a, an advice I would like. Um, and last question, that kind of leads me into the last question before we get into where we can find you online and social media, which I'll put links into the, the transcript or the blog post. Uh, what advice would you give the beginning positional hitting Jamie? So right before, so before you wrote your book, kind of that year leading up to it or, or so, looking back now, what, what advice, if any, would you give yourself? Hmm.
1: Yeah. <sighs> um I wouldn't I wouldn't give myself any everything was pretty necessary to to go through. Um, um uh actually I probably probably would would tell myself to not not swing as much. Um because I still swing. Um, I think if, if your interest is in teaching, um, primarily, well, let me say this primarily I'm, I'm a, I'm a swinger,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I mean,
1: but in all seriousness, primarily in the, I'm the baseball someone sense, who wants to perfect, <laughs> <laughs> primarily I'm someone who wants to perfect the swing. I'm not, I don't particularly enjoy teaching. Um I'm I'm just someone who wants to make my swing better. And so um I tend to, you know, now I'm 40 years old and the body uh the swing motion is pretty hard on the body. Um so I actually haven't taken a swing in about nine months because I, I had to actually pretty much ban myself from swing um so that's probably the advice i would give is is um and raul ibanez actually told me that before i was i think i was like 35 or so when he's when he told me mm-hmm. that you have to save your swings mm. and i didn't and i asked and i we had a conversation about because i didn't know what he meant
0: yeah um
1: and he kind of chuckled because he, he's like just <laughs> just wait <laughs> you
0: know just wait <laughs> so yeah, that's the good good, advice. Good, good advice, man. That That's great advice to to kind of end this before we find out where we can find you. That's, uh, I've spent the last probably five years working on unwinding all the bad things baseball did to my body because I was a righty-righty, you know, right-handed hitter and thrower. And baseball, golf, and, and a select others are the only sports, one-sided dominant sports, where if you went into the weight room and you grabbed a dumbbell with your right arm and you did – you did 50 curls with your right hand, right arm, and just went home. People would look at you like you're a weirdo, right? Uh, but on the baseball field, I mean, really, there, there is a slight advantage to switch hitting, but you don't see a lot of switch hitters. You have to take the same amount of, you know, you get to put about uh, double the amount of work in as a, as a one-sided dominant hitter that, from the right side. Uh, so it takes a ton of work, so you don't see a lot of it. Um, but most players, probably 90 to 95% of players in the world from little league all the way up to the major leagues are one side dominant swing or throwing and or throwing. Right. And in the fitness world, as you know, you, you're a a student of of fitness and, and, and corrective training and stuff like that. I mean, that's a no, no. I mean, you have to, you have to balance your body out and I agree (laughs) with you. Go ahead, Jamie. Sorry.
1: No, I was just saying for sure. I, I was actually at a gymnastics uh, gymnastics class last night, and the it, it came up in the class that that I was that I was doing the motion that we were working on from different feet, starting from different feet every now and then. Like I would shift it, and and they were like, "What are you doing?" and, and I mean, I would never at this point in my life not do that. I am so against – I mean, I brush my teeth with my left hand. I The only thing I don't do with my left hand is eat because when I'm eating, I want to just relax and eat. But pretty much I, – I pretty much make my left hand do most of the work now. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's – uh, everyone out there, if you're swinging – from one side only you need to start swinging from the other side Uh, you just you just have to do it i mean i i think that your body just uh, it just needs it and um it it's only going to make your other swing better so i agree
0: I agree, right. man. Hey, that, and that's a talk for another day. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, sure. Uh, with your knowledge and your research and stuff on that, I'm sure we could, we could put our heads together and have a good hour conversation yeah. just about that. Because uh, yeah, right. it sounds like you're doing the same st- stuff I am. I'm doing the gymnastics stuff too, but it's all online. I'm going through gymnasticbodies.com. Nice. and working on their handstand program. So <laughs> right. so yeah, So we could, we could save that for uh, a part two. So last question, where can right. we find you online and on social media? And again, I'll put links to this stuff in the in the post, but w- where can we find you? Uh, let's
1: see. At Jamie Savalas is my Twitter handle. And, uh, and the PitchView Training Aid is pitchviewtrainingaid.com. Um, and the swingmechanic.com is for the MP30 and MP28 training bats. And yeah. Uh,
0: Are you on Facebook?
1: I'm not on Facebook, no. Okay. It's
0: almost mostly Twitter.
1: Yeah, if, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I, I think Twitter is a, is a good way. It's the best way.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right, Jamie. Well, this is the end of part one, hopefully we get a part two yeah. in, the, in the near future. Um, other than that, I, I just want to thank you for your time. I know you're guarded on your time just like I am, and I really appreciate you taking the time to go a little bit over, went over 15 minutes. Uh, but I feel like it's information that can help a lot of people. So um, you know, with all all due respect, I, I appreciate your time, brother.
1: I really enjoyed talking with you, Joey. I think you do great work.
0: Thanks, brother. All right, we'll yep. see. We'll see you in the next one.